Hi, I'm TJ. And I'm Joseph. And this is Hi-Fi. Evening, TJ. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing fine. I'm, I'm dealing with the new, to get a little meta here, we're dealing with the new Zencaster interface, um, which has video, which is, you know, we don't really let our people, the people who listen to us in our, in our ear, in their ears or, or read the transcript, they don't, um, they don't see the video. So yeah, they're not privileged like we are to be able to see each other while we record a podcast. But you know, this is actually the first time we've seen each other while doing a podcast audio recording ever. I mean, that's not true. We just did the few that were in person. Did we ever use video? Oh, video. I see what you mean. Yeah. Oh, Cause I was, was going to say, we, we did record in person a couple of times, like in your office. I remember, and I forgot to hit record the first time we did it because it was all like new and out of the ordinary, but <laughs> yeah, good times, uh, but I'm used to having, you know, go flying blind. So yes, yes. I don't know what to do with these eyes. Uh, your video is kind of poor quality. I think your internet is, uh, on the, but, but you sound fine. So it's, it's good. It's all cool. So, um, Joe, I was speaking of this visual medium that is breaking my brain. I want to talk about how spatial audio is breaking my brain. So for those who may not know, spatial audio is this feature that was added to AirPods pro, um, many, several months ago last year. I don't remember. I think it was last year. And it's, I don't, how else, I don't know how else you describe spatial audio other than it, it's mimicking, it's trying to make it feel like you are not getting the sound right in your ears, in your earbuds. It's trying to make it feel like you're in the space that the audio is coming from. And it just sort of happened. Um, I, I often will watch uh, TV on my iPad. And um, apparently Hulu added support for spatial audio because one day I was watching a show on Hulu and I happened to put in my earbuds and I hit play, and I thought, oh, that's odd. Why isn't it coming through my AirPods? So I drew the drop down and looked at it, and I said, no, it's, it's coming through my AirPods. I don't understand. So I hit play again. It's not coming through my AirPods. What is this? Why isn't it working? And so, and I, and I turned my head and it was like the sound stayed where it was over there. Like, that's like, and it just sounded like it was coming from my iPad. And not from my ear AirPods. And I, so I thought, oh, this is so weird. And I pulled one of my AirPods out and it stopped playing. I'm like, but it's acting like it's coming from my AirPods. It took, it literally took me a while to figure out this is coming from my AirPods. Like I hit play again and it was coming through the one AirPod. I'm like, it, it, it just, it completely broke my brain. Like I, I don't understand how it works or what it's doing, but it felt like everything about, uh, and my brain told me the audio was coming from that iPad. That is weird. It really so was is it mostly odd. like voice parts, people talking, or was there like, you know, an action scene? This was a sitcom. I don't watch many sitcoms, but as we discussed a couple episodes back, I had started watching um, uh, Full House uh, based because I had watched WandaVision and it reminded me how much I kind of loved and missed Full House. And so I, um, I, I was watching Full House and I happened to pop in my AirPods, which I don't often do, but like my wife was doing something like in a meeting or something and I, you know, or whatever it was, yeah. I popped in my AirPods and it just completely broke my brain. I do not understand how this works. I don't understand what it's doing. I mean, I guess it's I, I, on some level, I guess it's changing the audio profile, the EQ and the dynamics and, and it's, it's, it's being really smart about how it all, like how audio acts when it hits your ears. And so it's replicating that, but I can't even imagine the amount of 
processing that Apple is doing to make that happen. No, that is kind of impressive. It's a, an interesting trick, but I don't really want to see a sitcom where the trick is that while I'm wearing headphones, it sounds like it's coming out of the device in front of me, a, a little device like my phone or my iPad. I wanted to feel like I'm in a three-dimensional space around the characters in the same room of Full House. And I can tell the distance between me and the person that's 10 feet off to the right or the left. And I uh, see, see, like that, well, I think that's, that's what, what I this is doing. Would do, yeah. I think that it, that is what this is doing. I'm, I, I think it is better quality than if. It, although my iPad speakers are very good, I'm always impressed with my iPad speakers for reasons we'll get into later in the episode. I've been messing around with my 2015 MacBook Pro, and the audio quality difference from 2015 to 2019 with my work MacBook Pro, and then to 2020 with my uh, iPad Pro is uh, is just astonishing. Like the audio quality coming out of my 2015 MacBook Pro is is it, it sounds like it came from you know the 1800s, the the, <laughs> the old phonographs or, or whatever. Sure. Um, it, it 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 really is amazing. But but so so it's not even if it were just that quality, it wouldn't be bad. But I do think the quality is better. It's just that my brain was telling me it was coming from over there. Okay, and you certainly do get as people move around on the screen, you'll get shifts in the audio, but. I've often felt like, um, for instance, um, if I'm listening to one of my favorite um, bands or, or, or audio things that I listen to, uh, Epica or, or something like that, just to put my weird taste in music out there, yeah. um, you know, or Nightwish or something like that, and if it's mixed super like – they're really getting into the mix and they're putting all so these, they're, they're panning things over this way so yeah. that your drums are over on this side and your electric guitars over on this side. Give like, you the impression that there's, it, the, it really, the part, yeah, you're standing in the midst of the orchestra pit. Most of the time, well, the way that works, it's really unpleasant with headphones, right? It, it sounds great in a real space, but on headphones, it's unpleasant. However, I think spatial audio, whatever it's doing, kind of fixes that because it feels like it's in real space. It doesn't feel like part of your ear is going soft or something with with the way that it, you know stereo normally works in headphones. So it's like having surround but out of stereo, and I just don't know how they're doing it. It's breaking my brain. It's really cool. The thing yeah. is, is that I also want it on a Mac. I think that's where I wanted the most. That or I mean, the Apple TV would be the second place I wanted most, but. I'm not going to watch. Does it work? Does, does spatial audio work on the Apple TV? I don't remember. It doesn't work yet on those devices. Mm, mm. So there, there's a. I know that there's good technical reasons. Right. Well, I suspect there's some component that the AirPods Pro and the iPad are using to communicate distance and space. And, and I don't know. There's. I'm sure there's some component of Bluetooth that's involved. That you know. I know that the more recent standards of Bluetooth have all kinds of crazy specs that that help it figure out where it's at. So I imagine it's something like that. It really is. It's really a clever, interesting idea. It's just I, I don't understand why Apple is saying, "Isn't it amazing? Look what it can do with audio on your iPad and your phone." When the Apple TV is long in the tooth, and the iPhone is comparably nothing like the professional product that the MacBook Pro is. So I'm just dying over here. I, I want to use it on something where I would have a much more immersive experience so it's hard for me to really appreciate it yet mm. but i do appreciate what you're going for i do appreciate mm. what apple is doing i'm very glad that they're doing it i just wish that they had came out with that technology for the mac first mm. i think you might need to try it out because it's it really it, it, i say it breaks my brain but it's mm -hmm. also really really great it's really kind of interesting and fun 
Well, I, I, yeah, I've played it for things like The Mandalorian, where it really does sound like it's coming from in front of you and behind you and things like that. Mm-hmm. But but something like a sitcom wasn't really mastered to have that impression, was it? N- no, um, I, I suppose it probably wasn't. I, I don't know how it's doing what it's doing, but it 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 sounds great. Okay, so moving on from my brain breaking, um, I have a question <laughs> for you, Joe. I think, and if you had told me that the one in our friendship would who would be jailbreaking phones in 2020 or 2019 or whatever mm. it was you told me you did yes. it if you told me it was you and not me i would have laughed at you at a certain point in our friendship <laughs> but i um so jailbreak mm. tool uncover where the o is a zero of course because that's what hackers do yes. apparently very, is very uh so jailbreak cool. tool uncover 6.0.0 released and it has ios 14.3 compatibility um this is according to a mac rumors article I have a serious question for you, Joe. Why in 2021 do we need a jailbreak? Um, I, I personally, I think we've discussed it. I don't know if we've discussed this on the show or not. I just don't have a desire or a need to jailbreak. I, back in, in the heady days of iOS 4, um, I think it was still called iPhone OS in those days. It, it, it kind of made sense, and I, I certainly did uh, jailbreak at times to get certain features. But like, I just don't. I, I I can't imagine destabilizing my phone and and fiddling with my phone in that way in 2021. Yeah, I think it's still for the same reasons, except that they're not necessarily as obvious. So when you were using iOS 4 or even 7, you know, something like that, there were just obvious features that we wanted. They were just low-hanging fruit. Apple could have do, done them and we were all expecting them to, and then they wouldn't deliver on them. And we would scratch our head and wonder, is Apple ever going to give us that thing that we were expecting? And, you know, it's discussed online. The fans want it. I want it. And then some brave soul would say that they were going to make a utility or an app that would support it through jailbreak. And then you'd get it because you, you felt like Apple owed it to you. You spent all this money on the system. You already spent all this money in the app store. And it felt like if people would just make an example to Apple that they were using the jailbreak system, and if Apple knew that this thing was popular enough, maybe it would garner the attention and Apple would say, you know, maybe we should allow these guys into the app store or... Maybe we should support that feature that is available on a jailbreak. And it's I remember anecdotally that years ago, there was somebody who had developed something for the App Store, and he was later hired by Apple, and he ended up basically designing the feature for iOS. But I can only count on one finger the number of times that actually happened that I heard about anyway. So over the years... The iOS has gotten all these features. There was less and less reasons to use a jailbreak. But even with iOS 13, I, f- I was really chomping at the bit about six to eight months into iOS 13 to get new features because iOS 13 really didn't feel like it had introduced a whole lot to, to work with, to enjoy, to try out for the following year. And there's always like a feature or two that Apple announces that ends up taking the backseat and it's not introduced on launch day. If you get it at all, you may get it 
10 months into the development of iOS 13, in one of those features in mail. And it's like, well, yeah, we did say we would give you that in iOS 13, but we didn't. So who knows if Apple's ever going to deliver even on their list. So it usually happens to me. I start getting the itch to jailbreak my phone eight to 10 months into the iOS cycle. And it boils down to something like widgets were a really good idea, but I didn't want to use the widget center left over the home screen on iOS 13. And we were told we were going to get widgets with iOS 14, but the jailbreak community had already cracked it and they were supporting widgets in a variety of different ways. So it was technically free to do at your own risk. Some of the ways to jailbreak are easier than others. It would just take you some time on a weekend, on a lazy weekend when you didn't have anything else to do in particular anyway. If you're going to goof off on your phone, you could put you could be playing Super Mario Run or Mario Kart on your phone again for this weekend, or you could be working on putting in a jailbreak and using a brand new feature all the time. So I, I, I cracked it so that I could have widgets on the lock screen that resembled those on the Apple Watch, like complications, and got widgets. I was able to redesign Control Center, which made a whole lot more sense because rather than swiping down from the top right, you were able to swipe up from the bottom if you wanted to get no, Control no, no, no. Center. See, Tijo, Control Center is supposed to be the top. It's the way it is. But, uh, you know... Why are you holding your phone upside down like that, TJ? Obviously, <laughs> you're supposed to swipe it up from the bottom. No, 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 no. I, I actually wish that it, Apple would adopt the whole Android uh, shade system, but they're never going to do it. No, no. But see, the thing is you could copycat the shade system with a variety of different utilities with a jailbroken iPhone. See, okay, and, and maybe jailbreaking has gotten better. But the last time I jailbroke, it was fun, but over time – it just got worse and worse and resprings and reboots and eventually the phone becomes unusable and there's no path forward. Like when a new version of iOS comes out, upgrading is wiping your phone, officially installing the upgrade and then jailbreaking again, if you want to do that. And it's just, uh, it's just not worth it to me. I, I, I guess I have officially reached the status of, of an old, um, I am an old now, Joe, uh, where I don't want to fiddle with my phone. I want to use my phone and then put it away. Um, and my phone accomplishes all the tasks that I have set for it to do. Um, it plays my podcast. It checks my weather. It navigates me to places. It's a play way for me to get my notes from bear when I'm on the go and check my to do us to do's when I'm, uh, you know, out to doing and, uh, check my mail on the go and my calendar. Um, and it lets me fiddle with games or Facebook, um, or Twitter or Instagram. Uh, it, it has my primary sleep cycle app on it. I mean, obviously my phone's tra- or my watch is tracking my sleep, but I can look at all the data and sleep cycle. Like I just, I, I'm not really, I can track my fasts uh, for weight loss uh, with the phone. Like it's, it, I, I'm, I'm failing to understand what jailbreak would get me other than heartache and pain and <laughs> destabilization. Yeah. And I, I know it gives me heartburn as well. That's another one of the symptoms that comes with jailbreaking. <laughs> Uh, it feels like you dropped a Oreo cookie into the milk and by the time you dig it out, it's going to be a soggy mess and you're going to just sling it all into the sink. Yes. The uh, correct the correct count for Oreo cookies and milk, by the way, is you dip it in, you go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and then you pull it out. 
That sounds about right. Yeah. I was doing that <laughs> count in my head most of the time. So with the jailbreak, I, I think you're totally right. What I was saying a moment ago was the the attitude that I had in the past, and I think a lot of the jailbreakers had where the grass was always greener on the other side, syndrome, fear of missing out, wanting that feature before Apple would ever get around to supporting it, even if they would. I mean, there was a possibility where we wouldn't even get widgets or Apple announced what widgets were going to be at their uh, developer conference. Mm. And in the meantime, the de- uh, not the developer community, but the jailbreak community would not only offer you widgets, but with more features than Apple was promising. So it would be really awfully compelling. Jail- jailbreak it once, get widgets you know, six months in advance with more features than Apple is ever going to support. And then if you really felt like getting all the other things with iOS 14, fine, drop it and then move over to 14. But at least you got to have that cake and eat it too for six months. Now, Nowadays, though, I really am with you because I cannot justify the number of resets and resprings and troubleshooting the utility applications where you would manage all of the jailbroken additional software it was it was a mess. It would just take too much time, mm-hmm. and it was respringing. Sometimes it wouldn't respring at all in a single day, but then other days of the week it would respring twenty times. Uh, so, so I, yeah, I'm with you. I don't understand why people really put up with it and why they're still pursuing it. I don't yeah. think there's enough of a reason. So it sounds like it hasn't changed. It it actually does continue to destabilize the phone in ways that are unpleasant. Yeah, even in 2020 when I was doing it because I was impatient to get widgets. Yeah. Yeah, and here's the thing. You say that it'll get you features that Apple's never going to do, but every single feature I jailbroke for back in the day is now on my phone and more. But it's a feature to me just to be able to control Control Center from swiping up from the bottom, and I can't which do is, that. And they're not going to give it to It's incorrect to me. do that because swiping up takes you to the home screen. That's no. 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 I will not hear, I will not hear any other way. No, I've just become because Android worked that way for years when I was on Android – and iPhone now works that way, and swiping down gets you the control center, which it does on Android, and so it doesn't break my brain to have switched because it works the exact same way. It totally works. Mm, okay. Well, uh, shall we move on to Twitter, trying to figure out what the heck its platform is for and how it's going to use it and what it's going to do and how it's going to monetize? Um, this is the, Twitter, <laughs> yeah. I feel like they're throwing all the spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks, but I feel like the spaghetti hasn't even, it's not even wet. It's not even soaked. spaghetti. So it, it's, it's, it's still hard, the hard noodles that haven't been cooked yeah. yet. And so when they throw them at the wall, none of it sticks. <laughs> you know, you get, you get Twitter stories. Guys, you got to take it out of the box before you throw it at the wall. <laughs> so of course you had these, you know, the Twitter stories, but everybody's doing stories. And of course, as soon as Twitter added stories, I loved the, you know, the jokes around every single app people are Photoshopping stories into, you know, sublime text stories, you know, so-and-so he's committed to Git, you know, uh, these were developer specific. I, I'm sure I think there were ones that weren't developer specific, but it was just, uh, you know, Twitter didn't need to do that. Well, now Twitter is announcing, has announced this uh, super follow feature that lets users charge followers for content. This is an up and coming feature of Twitter, Joe. How do you feel about this? So this is a conundrum because I didn't know that anybody wanted it. And then <laughs> I don't think anybody else did either. I also wonder 
if there were popular Twitterers that had requested this feature, maybe it's really just to serve the top five, maybe 10% of the most popular people that had petitioned Twitter to give them this feature. Because it doesn't sound like anything that people were asking for from our side of the internet. And it, it, it it's not a horrible idea. It's just a very awkward idea. There are so many other things that we would love to see. Like, couldn't the masses appreciate being able to pay Twitter for advanced features or something like the ability to edit your tweets? <laughs> I would pay Twitter yes. almost for the ability to edit tweets. And not because I want to <sighs> – um, not because I want to change the content of something that somebody's replying to. I think that's the idea. At least people defending it say, oh, you'll change the context of a tweet. And somebody replies to something, you make them look stupid. But no, for me, it literally, literally is just I want to be able to fix typos. Because when you're typing on your right. iPhone, even sometimes when you're typing on your computer, or more when I'm typing on my computer, I make a typo. And I want to fix it because the Enneagram 1 in me, uh, which is my Enneagram type, um, just sees the typo and says – no, it's got to be fixed. It's got to be fixed. Yeah. And I can't. It's nerve-wracking. It's, it doesn't work. Anyway, so um, yeah, so the super follow idea, which lets Twitter char- charge – or what lets users of Twitter charge followers for content. I mean, and, and we're making a lot of assumptions at this point. One's assuming that you could continue your account as normal but then put some stuff behind the paywall or whatever. It's a very Patreon-like feature, I suppose. And – uh, to some extent, it makes sense. I, I think what's in conflict is the general conceptualization of Twitter, uh, of, of what we conceive Twitter to be, of how we've used Twitter for, geez, uh, 13, 14 years, however long Twitter has been around, 15 years. I lose track of time. So um, it, it just doesn't really mesh with everything else Twitter is doing. I, I don't think. Am I thinking about this wrong? No, you're not. And I think that one of the bigger problems for everyday users will be things like how many Twitterers are you going to be subscribed to? Because if it's about the popular people and you're following, uh, I want to say popular people who are in business and in music and acting and popular YouTubers, entertainers, well, You'll want all of them. You'll want to pay for all of them, but you, you can't afford all of them. Like in the demo they de- they have, it's a musician who's charging four ninety nine a month for their Twitter feed. And the, it's a musician that's going to be hypothetically giving you samples of their music and talking about music. And that's $4.99 a month from one artist. And I have no problem with supporting artists. I'm just saying that if the advantage is that a lot of these popular Twitter people are going to be able to be supported, yes, that'll work. But what's not going to work are the people who will not be able to afford the exclusive content of all the paywalls for all the people that they really want the content from. Does that make sense? Like You could easily spend over $50 a month on a handful, you know, just 10. All it would take is just 10 Twitter accounts that have a paywall and you'll be spending $50 a month if all of them were $4.99 a month. Yeah, totally. That makes complete sense. And this is sort of the burnout that I already have with content that I pay for, which is 
I, in many ways, and in most ways, I think the revolution of online video uh, content, TV, movies, etc., has been fantastic. I mean, I can get most of what I want whenever I want on demand, and and I pay for that privilege. But 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 what happened was in the beginning, you had a couple of content services, and and people were jumping on board. Most most stuff was on most TV I wanted to watch was on Hulu. And then you had Netflix. And and so you paid for those two things. Well, along comes Amazon Prime Video, and I was already paying for Amazon Prime, so that wasn't a big deal because, of course, I had Amazon Prime. I, I, I have stuff shipped to me all the time from Amazon. And, you know, uh, so that made sense. But then all of a sudden, you've got people pulling out of Hulu saying, oh, no, 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 we're, uh, we're going to start our own. You know, you've got CBS Plus or CBS All Access, which is becoming Paramount Plus. You've got HBO Max. Uh, you've got uh, Apple TV Plus. Um, you've got um, all these services that, that are vying for your dollar, and it's not quite as much as I would pay for cable yet. At least I'm not paying all those services for as much as I would normally have in the past paid for cable. And and it's better than cable, but it, at some point you start getting exhausted, and you're like, well, I'm paying for that Hulu subscription, but now there's only one show on Hulu that I watch, and it's not on for seven months, and you know, and then it comes, and you got a few months out of the year that it's coming. And, and like right now, that one show that I subscribe to Hulu for is out completely, and I was gonna cancel it, and then I started watching Full House. But like, y- y- you get the same, you get that fatigue going on there. So I see that fatigue, as you say, transferring to Twitter. If you are gonna pay, you you it, you only have a certain amount of money that you can even think about paying for something. And and I, honestly, I'm already spending that money yeah. on the podcast who have put themselves behind paywalls, or at least have put features that I wanted behind paywalls, like Upgrade Plus. Um, and, and I'm not about to spend that money and transfer it to Twitter for their, their stream of consciousness thoughts. Like, I just don't think the model of Twitter (laughs) really fits with this concept. And, and it would be one thing if they were going to say, you know what, we're going to have a premium tier of Twitter and then people tweet, tweet, Twitterers, tweeters can opt in and say, these tweets, like I'm going to have two groups of tweets. Some of them are free and some of them are within the, the paid tier. And based on how many people get that paid tier and how many people follow me and interact with my tweets, Twitter will give me a cut because you're a premium subscriber. Like that that model, I, I don't, it wouldn't be nearly as good for content producers, at least not the top ones, not the top tier ones, but it would make yeah. more sense from the user perspective, from my perspective, if I could pay Twitter $5 a month I'm not saying I would do this, but but I think that's a lot easier to swallow if there are only two tiers of Twitter. And and this is a fractured model of this user charges $50 a month. This user, he's going to put his thoughts out on on, you know, BizDev and and she's going to put her thoughts out on, you know, development and and in and if you want to really get into that person's brain, then you're going to have to pay them $100 a month and and it's just it's yeah, I I don't see this working out well. I, I maybe a little bit better than stories. I I don't know if you have, uh, and I think I it's still not on the web. And I use Twitter on the web a lot, but in the app, of course, you see the stories at the top. And very few of the people I follow post stories, and I never click on them because I was just like, you know what, Twitter, this is not you. This I've got stories in Instagram. I acquiesced. I didn't like it at first. It's fine. I wish it didn't exist, but it's okay. I'm not doing stories on any other platform because they make sense for Instagram, not for you. Same with Facebook. So have you ever posted a story on any platform? Because I haven't. 
I've posted stories on Instagram. It's not my favorite. I still think that the best of Instagram was before stories existed and you would post photos and or videos in the, in the stream, in the use, in your feed. And I think that was a much better model. People, there are a lot of people I follow now, they only do stories. So I have to do the stories if I want to keep up with them. and, And it frustrates me. And I've posted stories because, you know, I wanted it to be seen or to try it out or, or whatever, but it's just, hmm. yeah, I, I, I'm an old. Yeah. Well, I feel old enough that I enjoy flipping through other people's stories, but usually the content is just glanceable. Whereas I think that the things that they put on their Instagram wall feed are more curated, which is more or less the. The content I want to see because they put a little bit more thought into it. They yes. want it to have staying power. Yes, but I find that people post even less in their normal feed. And that was what I thought. That's when I thought Instagram was really – and I still think Instagram is the best social network because it tends not to be a place where people argue and fuss about politics. And it's just where they yeah. post pictures of their kids and I can keep up with them or you know, pictures of architecture or pretty cats or you know, nice dogs or something like that. Um, I just, stories annoy me and I don't want more stories everywhere. There's talk of Slack adding stories. No, thank you. No, please <laughs> it's, no. No, please, please stop. Please stop inflicting this on the world. We'll always have the good old days when all you could do is get on Twitter and say that, uh, you know, it asks you, what are you doing right now? And you could just tweet out, I just finished cutting the grass. And now, yeah, I mean, remember when Twitter was 120 characters and that's just what it, that was it. Yeah. You just type some text and you were done. And, he, and other people type text and you could see the t- text they typed. That was a, that was a thing. And that was cool. I have to wonder because Facebook feels like a junkyard. It, every time I go That's in there. That's because it is a junkyard. It literally feels like the equivalent of a social network's junkyard though. It, it is just a spew of why am I getting notifications about the most random things from pages that are obscure? Like I've, yes, I I know somebody who's associated with this page, but I don't follow the page and I hardly, I'm hardly acquainted with this person. You think that is important enough to me that I should see this in my notifications. Facebook, what is So here's the thing though, Joe, I think that you are insulting junkyards (laughs) because when I walk through a junkyard, and I've been to junkyards, I used to go to junkyards and get parts for things that I would build when I was a metal worker, and I would get, find old cars and build uh, horse-drawn carts with the wheels and things like that. So there was use in junkyards. I, but but Facebook would be like if in the junkyard you were walking through it and all of a sudden your aunt started flinging poo at you. Well, and yeah, you're, you're not wrong. Yeah. You're, you're, you know, you're perhaps one of the parents who bore you, uh, who brought you into the world would, uh, start hurling banana peels at you. And I, yeah, you've wrong. got me on a tangent about how I feel about Facebook. Mm, tell me how you really feel about junkyards. No, it, it, it's, it's so frustrating because what I want out of Facebook is, Hey, let's keep up with these people that I rarely see in real life. You know, or perhaps it's people that I do see a lot in real life, but also like they can post photos and, and talk about how their day went and stuff. And instead it's like, you voted for Trump? Oh, you voted for Biden? No, no. And uh, well, we're gonna. You're, you're, I'm done with you. I'm leaving Facebook. No, I'm. I'm blocking you. Like, yeah, that's how I really feel about Facebook. <laughs> it has brought out the worst in humanity. But it's also just a bad network. Like it used to be halfway useful. Now it really is limping along with just chaotic posts. And like I yeah. followed a. Year, a number of years ago, 
I'm a big fan of owls. I love nature. I like <laughs> getting forestry pictures of scenic a, nature. And you're a designer. Have you seen the how to draw an owl in two yes. steps? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anything to do with owls, including that joke, uh, is a pretty good one for me. So I, I followed this page with owls, and now it's like the only thing that is worth my time on Facebook because all of my relatives, all of my friends from church, everybody in real life, they're obscured except for one. I get his posts and I appreciate that. But now, even though I'm following hundreds of people, the only people I see that I can control I feel like I have no control over it. It's just out of my, it's out of my, it's out of control, TJ. I'm I'm not joking here. Like if I could say, these are the 700 people I want to follow. I want to see anything that they post. End of story. Then that would be the number one social network. If it was at the scale of Twitter or Facebook. But because the algorithms are intruding and they're just making a, a mess, I, I, it is terribly bad. So I'm getting this one friend I can follow on Facebook and the Owls group. And that is, <laughs> and I'm, I'm following dozens of other things, but nothing on there is coherent. And these notifications are totally irrelevant. And so I hardly ever bother to check into Facebook and I, I hardly ever post anything. Why would I? Nobody sees it. Anyway, Instagram uh, is, is significantly superior. And I, I, I still long for the good old days with Twitter. And I, I check Twitter all the time. But yeah, mostly because I can still get around a lot of Twitter's algorithm with an app like TweetBot. That's funny. I actually, algorithmically, I actually like Twitter's algorithm. It's just that they're also going in other directions that aren't great. I hmm. anyway, um, as, as far as Facebook goes, I, I think it's it's funny that they're they're so bad at targeting ads. So bad. Um, lately, half of the ads in my Facebook timeline have been about the um, the quality of um, the, the childbearing. Um, items <laughs> like you need to have it do you want to have a test you know the, your family legacy is important and i'm like D do you know something i don't facebook like I, I don't i don't understand where this is coming from <laughs> and and my wife has been getting similar things but for women and and like you know we're both almost 40 and it's like and we've got four kids and like i don't know what facebook's algorithm is doing and like it's just and that's just one example. Like there's just so many things and it's just like Facebook is like everywhere else I go. It seems like the ads are pretty well targeted toward me. Facebook's ads are just not targeted toward me at all, but it feels like they're trying to target them for something. And I don't know what the algorithm is doing. It's pretty hilarious actually. <laughs> <sighs> oh, well, I'm curious to see what is going to, well, I mean, nowadays, I'm hardly even giving a lot of attention to the social networks. I prefer to find something I enjoy browsing, TJ. Yes. And I Facebook wish it could is not be that. conversation with people. Yeah, Facebook's not that. So yeah. Twitter's not that often enough. So a lot of the time, I'm 
checking in with YouTube because I stand a chance to find some content that is remotely entertaining. As or long as you don't read the comments on YouTube, it is grand. Yes, it is grand because you what, can get the content what, and avoid the comments. What is it, Joe? What is it about a text box and a submit button on the internet that makes people lose their minds? And it's, it's, it's like they will put anything in, like you, you would never hear that for most people. You would not hear coming out of their mouth what they spew into a text box on the internet. And, and it's not that I've never been guilty of this, but I feel like it for most of my, uh, life, I, and I've gotten way better about it, although I had a lapse for a few months, but I've, I've gotten way better about just not posting drivel into the internet. And what is it? And, 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 but most people, it's not even just drivel. It is actively, I hate you. I hate this group of people. This group of people sucks. This, your politician is an idiot. My politician is not. And like, I think all politicians suck, by the way. Uh, and like, what is, okay, I am way <laughs> off on a tangent complaining about the way people behave on social media. And I just want to have fun. And I just want to have a conversation. I just want to find, like, I, I will tell you, I am in one group. Uh, on Facebook that I truly enjoy. And that is the Star Trek. It is a Star Trek group. That is, uh, it's called the reformed Star Trek group because I, the, the, the brand of, uh, brand is the wrong word, but you know what I mean? The type of Christian I identify yeah. most closely with is the reformed theology. And so it is a bunch of folks who have created a Star Trek group. We all enjoy Star Trek. And the only thing we ever do as we talk about plot points and meme and we post memes and it is, it is so great. And nobody ever argues in this group except in, in fun. And, and because, and if we do, we're all like laughing it off because it's about a stupid at the end of the day, it's a TV show and a move in movies, like, you know, TV shows and movies, and it's not a big deal. And if we disagree, Oh, well, I, I, I don't know. It's just, that's the only thing I truly enjoy on Facebook these days. Yeah. <sighs> well, we'll see where it goes. We'll see what lasts. You want to drive to battery land? Yeah. Yeah. It's actually far more entertaining than <laughs> anything to do in social media land. Ah, tell me you, about your woes. If you want to live a high fi high fidelity lifestyle, don't don't live in social media land. So TJ I've called this TJ's Adventures in Battery Land. Um I because I work from home, because I'm a nerd and all these things, I have several different computer options, as <laughs> you might say. Uh one is my Hackintosh, which is what I primarily use sure. uh th from day to day. Um, that is going to be changing in the future because of some job changes and some security requirements. And so I'll have to use a computer that's going to be provided by my new employer uh, starting later this month. Oh, interesting. Um, so that's been the impetus for me to and, – and I've been off and on using my personal – so, okay, so let me let me back up. I have the Hackintosh. I have a – my current employer provided 2019 MacBook Pro, and that is that has been my primary laptop since I have gotten it. Um, and then I have my personal, uh, 2015 MacBook pro, which I got when I was, uh, self-employed and, um, it, it's still, I, I try to keep it usable and working and it floats around and I try to, you know, make sure the battery gets some use, uh, so that it's not sitting there at full charge all the time. Um, and, uh, uh, I have other things, but those are my, those are my three Macintoshes that are, that I personally use. And, the 2015 laptop, since I know this work change is coming and there's going to be a lot of uh, different security requirements at my new company and this and that, I'm trying to rejuvenate my personal laptop so that if I want to have my own computer on the go, I can. And rejuvenate's the wrong word because it's already working. I'm just starting to use it more 
and I put it on a flat surface and it was wobbling. Like, oh, here we go. I, I, unfortunately, I knew what this was because this has happened to this computer before. Uh, two, two and a half years ago, uh, I, um, I put it on a flat surface and it started wobbling and I'm like, what is going on? And if, long story short, I took the back of the computer off and the battery was the, there's four battery quadrants in these computers and every one of them, like that pack that got the plastic that's over the quadrant was just clearly bulging out. I thought and, all their uh, batteries it, looked like one lump sum with a solid wrap around them. What do you mean uh, by four quadrants? What did that look those like? Those are the old batteries were one big lump that you could pull out. These, when you pull, pull the back off of the computer, you've got these four quadrants that that kind of fit in and around all the components so that they can fit more battery in there. Huh. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, the and there's like this plastic covering each of them. Um, and it was very clearly a couple of years ago. It was very clearly swollen. I was just within the warranty window. I was literally a month away from the warranty expiring. Uh, whatever wow. this was. So do the math. I had a, uh, extended, you know, the Apple care extended and I bought the thing at the end of 2015. And so whatever that math works out to, it was that many years ago, uh, when, when the warranty would have been expiring. So I, I can't do math in my head. So, um, I've had this happen <laughs> before and I got it in there. Apple replaced the battery. Everything's fine. So, now, of course, the battery is behaving fine. It's got plenty of juice. It's not having any trouble trouble discharging. It's just very swollen. And as I'm pulling the the screws out off out of the back to just double check and make sure that's what it is, I knew what it was, but I just wanted to pull it back off and look at it. Like the back, as I pull the screws out, is like popping up. That's how much pressure it's under from that battery. Like it's the, the back of the computer is it just pops up as you pull the screws out. Hmm. So I call up Apple. And I said, hey, you told me that this was a limited problem with a limited number of batteries. And when you put the new battery in, this wouldn't happen again. Will you fix it? I said, mm, no. <laughs> I said, okay. So I shopped around and um, I uh, checked in at a third party. And it was going to cost $800 to, uh, to replace this battery with uh, our third party, prominent third party supplier here in Nashville. They used to be called Mac Authority. They're called uh, Simply Mac now. And... Um, $800. Joe, this computer is not worth much more than that at this point. Uh, this computer is probably, I could maybe get $1,200 for it if I was lucky. Yeah. Um, so I said, no, I'm not going to do that. And I call Apple back because I, what I didn't check, I, what I did when I checked with Apple, I was basically like, will you cover this under a recall or a warranty of some kind? They said no. So I called Apple back and I'm like, look, let's just find out how much it would cost for me to bring this computer in and have you replace the battery. And they said, okay, well, uh, we'll have to do some diagnostics and make sure that's what the problem is. I'm like, yes, that's what the problem is. Anyway, they said, but if you bring it in and, it, and that is what the problem is, it's free for us to check that out. And then it's one ninety nine to replace the battery. Huh. And, um, so I said, well, that's way better than the $800 that was quoted to me by Simply Mac. So um, that's what I did. Uh, I, I still wasn't happy about it because this is clearly a defect with the, these batteries that Apple told me. Like, look, it's fine if the battery after five or six years is worn out, but this is only a couple-year-old battery that they put in, and it's doing the exact same thing, which is swelling up for no good reason. Um, and I have every expectation it's going to do it again in a couple of years. So... Um, yeah, I'm not very happy about this, and I know we had that episode about how long I keep laptops around, but hopefully I'm going to try to sell this laptop in a couple of months before the battery swells up again, and maybe oh. I'll get a 1000 or $1,200 for it. 
Um, and uh, hopefully they don't they don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but it'll have a brand new battery. I can say that about it. And and actually, um, I've been using it a little bit, and it it feels honestly almost as fast. Not you can tell maybe a little difference if you're doing something heavy, but um, it feels almost as fast as my 2019. Um, the fan seems to run more. I remember that about this computer when I was using it heavily is that the fan runs a lot. And I think, I think maybe that's part of the problem is the computer runs so hot that it heats the battery up hmm. and I'm doing certain things to it now that, um, I wasn't before. Like I'm running a turbo boost, uh, switcher, which lets you turn off turbo boost on the processor, which seems to help the fan. Uh, turbo boost really seems to heat that thing up. And I'm also, whenever I'm not connected to an external display, I am disabling the discrete graphics card, which helps a tremendous amount. So I think it's the graphics card that really gets hot because when I disable the discrete graphics card and only run on the Intel integrated graphics, it, it really runs much, much cooler. You have to work harder to make the fan spin up. If it's running the discrete graphics card at all, the fan is just running full tilt. It's, it's not a good computer. It's, it may be, and I, I remember now why, I was wanting to run away from Apple is because the iPhone 6s, I think was not, was one of my least favorite phones that Apple made. My 2015 MacBook pro was, I I believe is the worst Apple computer I've ever owned. Um, and it just made me remember why I was, I was feeling the way I was about Apple is this computer is not a good computer. (laughs) Well, there are ups and downs. I've been using the Mac ever since, uh, I want to say 1993, with a stint with a PC in the late nineties and then another with a PC at my last job around what was that? 2018? No, it was even earlier than that, like 16 and 17. And the, there are problems in either camp. It depends a lot on what your job is and and what, which headaches are you willing to trade off for? Well, and that's the thing. What I and I've I've never I've never found laptops that are not Apple laptops that I would be willing to go to. And even though mm-hmm. that 2015 MacBook Pro is the worst Apple computer I've ever had, I think it's still better than a PC laptop. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> now on the desktop side, things are different. I feel like I have. I feel like that this this Hackintosh that I built is the best computer I've ever had. Um. So it, it's, yeah, I don't know, but you know, I do think Apple's working to turn some things around. Now I have had with my workbook pro, I've had some problems with what I think are related to the T2 chip, which doesn't even exist in the M1 Mac because it's all Apple chips in there at that point. But the, the, the T2 Mac, it, it about once a week, it'll have a kernel panic. Um, and that I've, I've done a lot of research and reading and that just seems to be par for the course with the T2 Macs, the, the mobile ones anyway, the laptops. And it, it seems to have to do with the, the kernel panic report always mentions sleep wake state. It has something to do with sleeping and waking. And I know T2 is involved in the security of that. So um, I, I suppose you, you, know, you wouldn't see it as much on, I, I think, I think the iMacs have the T2 chip and I, I don't think that those are, are having that problem as heavily. So hmm. uh, by the same token, um, my wife's 2015 MacBook battery recently went kaput, but it really? wasn't swelling it. Um, and she's had it since 2015. Uh, and she's never had a problem with this computer before at all. Um, it's a little slow, but it's, you know, it's one of the Intel's mobile chips, um, and it's been great for her. And just within the last couple of months, the battery has been saying I need service for a long time. And the battery life has been garbage for, I'd say six or seven months, but just in the last two months or so it's, it, it reached a point where if you unplug it, 
it may last a minute and then it'll go to sleep. And then Whoa. very recently, if you unplug it, it dies. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. Huh. But this is, this is much more normal. Like it's been what, six years, almost six years. Right. And it's, and she uses it like constantly. So, um, so yeah, that, that makes much more sense. So I called up Apple and I was expecting 199 cause I've already been through this with my MacBook pro. And sure enough, I called up Apple and I said, oh yeah, um, we'll do some diagnostics and then we'll call you. And I'm, I'm like, okay, but if it is the battery, how much? And they said 199. So I said, okay, let's do it. And then sure enough, they called me and said, yep, our diagnostics indicate that the battery has uh, reached its at the end of its life and we need to replace it. That'll be 199. Would you like to proceed? I'm like, yes, please. So that's still off uh, getting that done. Well, um, we have a 2015 MacBook Pro as well, but we, I don't think we've used it nearly that much on a week-to-week basis. So the battery still gives us more than an hour of charge and hmm. it feels pretty solid. It's working really well. It's no, no swollen parts. No, I, I would guess my wife drained her MacBook's battery two or three times a week ah. for, for the duration of its life. Like she uses that computer all the time. It's one of those cute little gold MacBooks yeah. with, with one single USB-C port. It's great. It's a great computer for her. Very Every nice. once in a while, I, yeah. it does have the butterfly keyboard. Every once in a while, I have to blow it out with some air. That's not great, but you know, it works fine. I discovered this a couple of years in, and I was I had to type something on her computer. I'm like, "Why is your E key not working?" I think it was the E key. Why is this key not working? She's like, "Oh yeah, it does that." I don't know. I just have to backspace because sometimes you would push it and it would stick down and type a bunch of E's, and sometimes it wouldn't type at all. And she's like, "Yeah, just, it's it's annoying." I'm like, "You could have told me I would have blown some air in that thing and blown the dust out of it." Um, so that has to happen sometimes. Yeah. What, what I found surprising during all this battery stuff, um, cause you know, um, I upgraded my work laptop to big Sur and I got the battery management features. And even right now it's, it, it's charged to 80%, even though it's plugged in. And, and if you click on the battery in the menu bar, it's got a picture of a plug and then you click on it and it says, uh, rarely used on battery, you know? And so it doesn't charge, it doesn't usually charge it to hundred percent. It will once in a while. And that's a great feature of Big Sur to, to maximize your your battery life, so it's not constantly keeping it charged to 100 percent and messing, you know, because that keeping a, a lithium ion battery charged to 100 percent all the time is bad news. Um, and so on my 2019 Workbook Pro, it has this great Big Sur ma- battery management feature, and that's one of the features that Apple touted. I believe they mentioned it on stage, but if not, it was very prominently featured in the Big Sur stuff. My 2015 laptop and Rachel's 2015 laptop, they don't get those features, which I find really irritating. Apple's like, no, you don't get that. <laughs> which is that frustrating because those yeah. are the ones that are, especially my MacBook Pro, my 2015 MacBook Pro, it's the one having battery problems. Like I would really like for that to have that feature. So uh, why? Uh, oh, just side note. Why has Apple, since I've been using my personal laptop a little bit more, why has Apple decided that 2016 was the year that laptops would start working with Sidecar and not 2015? My 2015 MacBook Pro will not project itself uh, as a second display onto my on my iPad. Just another reason for me to sell this laptop and get another one. Interesting. So Sidecar, that much of an important feature to you or what are you thinking there? Yeah, because uh, during the spring especially and sometimes during the fall, I like to go out and work on the porch. And um, – my displays are pretty anchored to my desk. And so sidecar with the iPad makes for a great second display for my laptop out, out on the porch. Uh, I take a, 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 a kind of a ta- I have a table out there and I put my iPad and my computer and my laptop next to each other and put sidecar on my, uh, iPad. And it's, it's pretty great. It, it's not, not as much space as my three, 4k displays give me on my desk, but it's nice. Hmm. Okay. 
Yeah, so it's frustrating that Sidecar doesn't work with my personal laptop. You know, I think that one part for the course with laptops is that you're just going to expect them to break down before their time is up. You know, I feel like... I don't... I do not accept that. I'm not crazy about it. (laughs) You know, everything rusts and falls apart. What ends up happening is we think that we get a a solid machine made out of sturdy metals. We spend $2,300 on it from Apple and it should last us seven, eight, maybe nine years. But realistically, what Apple was developing uh, nine years from now is going to be so far off into the future that Apple today in 2021 cannot predict all of the use cases and how they would need to optimize their hardware to support something like the next generation of sidecar. Well, Joe, VR or AR. Let me tell you a little story. I think I've alluded to this. I've either told you or mentioned it on the show. Mm -hmm. I don't remember which, but I have a friend who has a 2010 MacBook Pro and he was feeling like it was a little slow, but he was also feeling like he didn't want to spend the money because it's a, he paid, you know, a good chunk of change for this 2010 MacBook Pro and he doesn't want to replace it just yet. And so I looked up some stuff and I said, tell you what, for this amount of money, which I think was under $500, I was like 300 something dollars. We'll get you an SSD. We'll upgrade your RAM from four gigabytes to eight. And we will um, get you a new battery because his battery life was garbage. And all that was under $500. Like I said, I think it was around 320 or something like that. And uh, super easy to do in the 2010 MacBook Pro. I literally popped off the back. I um, undid the screws that held the battery in. Uh, and I put the new battery in. I uh, popped out the memory, put the new memory in. I popped out the drive, put the SSD in. The longest part was literally was really just cloning the old drive to the new drive. Um, with a uh, carbon copy cloner and his computer feels v- very much like a modern computer now. So we've definitely lost a little of that ability with laptops. They've become both more expensive and less serviceable. You literally can't do that with any of these modern laptops. And yeah. that makes me upset a little bit. I, I, I am a little upset that the apples go in that way. I understand some of, some of it makes sense to me. I understand. But on the other hand, I, I don't think that this super thinness and super lightness is really worth it. Especially when you're, I, I paid $3,300 for this 2015 laptop. I expect better. And I looked at, like, I looked at, um, a battery for this laptop, uh, from Mac, um, MacSales.com, uh, OWC, uh, which is where I got the battery for my friend's, uh, 2000, 2010 MacBook Pro. And in there, of course, they have the replacement battery. And this one had warnings all over where, you know, my friend's 2010 MacBook Pro, there was no warnings. It was just like, yeah, yeah, you take the back off, you undo the screws, you put the new battery in, you do the screws, and you, that's it. This one was like, in the it, you know, warning, 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 have this done by a professional, blah, blah, blah. So I was watching the video to do it. You literally have to disassemble every piece of the computer to replace the battery in my 2015. <laughs> <sighs> Why? That's a lot of screws. Why? I mean, a little, I, I looked at it and even I, even though I've built computers, I was like, this computer will not work when I get done because you have to, you, you have to take these tiny pieces apart because of the way they've got the battery nested up under there. And you look at the design, you're like, this was literally designed to keep, not, not that it needed to be designed this way. It was literally designed to keep you from replacing your own battery. That's literally what they did. I'm, I, it made me so angry. <sighs> anyway. Okay. Happy Macintoshing, Joe. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry to hear that Battery Land was about as frustrating as Social Media Land. Yeah, it was no Candy Land. I'll yeah. tell you that. 
Is that our show, Joe? I think that's our show. Yeah. Let's call it a wrap. And if, maybe next week will be less like a week of Mondays. <laughs> if people want to rant at you about my ranting and tell tell you that they would like to hear me rant less, um, <laughs> where, can they, where can they do that? Yeah, catch me on Twitter. I'm JCS Darnell. And you can direct all your hate tweets to TJ Draper Pro. And I, maybe next week I will talk about something far less frustrating in my world. So that's the show. You can find show notes to this episode at nightowl.fm slash hi-fi slash 23. And we'll put links to all the things we talked about in there. I'll link up the video uh, of replacing the, the, the like 30 minute video on, on how, or longer on how to replace the battery in my 2015 MacBook Pro. And you will run away screaming and pulling your hair out as I did. Um, and uh, that'll be in there as well. So check all that out. We will talk to you, uh, hopefully. I, I know we missed a week. So I usually say we'll talk to you next week, but hopefully we'll talk to you next week. All right, TJ. So WandaVision, we have two episodes again to catch yes, up but have, did, did you start watching season two of For All Mankind? You know, I haven't. I haven't caught up on a lot of shows that I want to watch on my own. On you. And every I, all the time I make for TV watching, I'm watching with a wife, and I, she's not interested in for all mankind. Whoa, 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 whoa! What? For real? Oh man, I I love WandaVision, but I will jump over WandaVision to get to for all mankind. Hmm. So, so what is so striking about the show? I mean, it's an alternate reality depicting dramatic, you know, historical I, events. I think but that's with the, the draw. I think mm-hmm. the draw is that it is – this could have been the way things – like it's just realistic enough. I, I think we're going to stray from that in season two. But in season one, it was realistic enough. You're like, you know, this could have happened. This could have been, been the way it went. If, if if Russia got up there first, like we could have this race. And what if there was yeah. water on the moon? You know, what if we found water? What if we could do that? What if, what if, what if, and it's, it's really a fun look at that. And I am a sucker for good. Like, I think what I like about shows is character development. Um, that's why I was a little, maybe one of the reasons why I was a little frustrated with WandaVision in the first couple of episodes is, is you really didn't see much character development. It was just sort of a, Hey, look at this funny sitcom. Ha ha. Um, but like, one of the through lines through all the shows that I like, and when I start to dislike them, is because I don't like what they're doing with the characters or they're not doing character development. Look at, you know, check out my talking about how I gave up on Bones in season seven. Um, is because they really stopped developing characters as far as I'm concerned. So, um, you know, the through line for me is character development, and you have some really great character development with Ed and Karen Baldwin in For All Mankind. You have really great character development with Deke. Um, you've got these great stories and these, and, 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 and they really, really know how to do the drama, but it's not, it's not a heavy action show, which I really like Like it doesn't depend on action for its drama or its draw, which I think is great writing. I just love it. I just love it. Well, sounds really good. I want to go back and watch it again. And well, I say that because I caught like the first four episodes of the first season and I would want to rewatch those. Yes, you would. But, but it really, by the time you get to the end of season one, I, that thing had, it's it just, it's yeah, it drew me in. I was hooked. So, nice. so WandaVision, we have two episodes obviously to catch up on cause we missed podcasting last yes. week cause I was, I was under the weather a little bit. Um, so the first episode, Breaking the Fourth Wall, um, this is the 2000s-era mockumentary, at least when we're doing the WandaVision part of the show, right? It is yeah. – um, I never watched Modern Family, but it's – excuse me. It's very much in that 
vein. And if you if you look at the clip that I, I'm going to put in the show notes, um, and that's here in our document outline, Joe, of a clip from the from Modern Family, it feels very much like that's what they're going for. Yeah, I watched a few episodes of that show back in the day when it was really hyped up, and it, it, some of it was entertaining. It just wasn't my show. But yeah, you're for right. Sure. It did capture that mystique and part of me wondered why it needed to go there because one of the premises of one division as we know it now is that it was based on things that wanda watched in her childhood and modern family wouldn't have been on the list so that was just because they wanted to keep up the trope and bring it up to the present i guess yeah i don't know i don't know that it needs a a, a real good reason but it may also lend credence to the idea that that Wanda is not fully responsible or in charge of all of this. Yeah. Uh, which may – you might dispute when we get to episode eight previously on, but I still think you could say that. I still think there may be something else that's responsible or partly responsible for all of this. Um, and, and I'm talking about in addition to the big reveal at the end of this episode. Um, so – um, the, I wanted to mention the uh, flickering and the unstableness of the environment at this point. You could chalk it up to Wanda having expanded the reach of the next, uh, of the, of the hex out further. You could chalk it up to that. And maybe that is what it is, but I feel like there might be something more there, especially because they were sure to call it out. Not only did we see it, but then Wanda, of course, is in her interview, her confessional interview with the cameras, like, yeah, I'm not sure what that's about. You know, she's like, it's probably just a case of the Mondays. Am I right? You know, so they're, they're really drawing attention to it. So I'm not sure yet what that might be. And maybe it's nothing, but I thought it was worth mentioning. Another thing to note is that the last week's episode uh, was a, a different turn because it revealed mm-hmm. a whole lot more about the villain. Mm-hmm. But the so every show of WandaVision ends up feeling so different from each other. And they just keep that going because for a little while, it, it felt like it was – because this is a fast-paced season as well as a fast-paced episodic show, it feels like they are covering tons of ground in a short window of time. Like there were a handful of episodes that had Darcy and the Agents of Sword, and it felt like they were actually in more than they really were because they – did a lot of story progression in a shorter window of time because they already dedicated virtually three episodes at the beginning, just to these parodies of old shows. Mm -hmm. So, so it's a curious thing that when you get to episode eight, that they jam pack into those, you know, 35 minutes or so all this backstory on this villainous, Plus, you get all of this backstory on Wanda. And there are things that we all kind of knew but hadn't fleshed out. We we knew she had a tragic upbringing and that she was Sokovian and that she went to Hydra. But we didn't get to see these uh, huge moments for her where she was really struggling with uh, just momentous situations, life and death situations, and loss. But the writing had been on the wall, and it was just curious that since this is a nine-episode series, I I don't know. I I just find the whole thing to be very creative, very imaginative, and they've done some remarkable things in every episode. And they keep you guessing because for a while you just thought, well – 
Vision's here, but why is Vision here? Maybe it's just because uh, one is just imagining that Vision is with us. Turns out. Turns out he's <laughs> actually with us, and it, it looks like it's actually his body. Oh, wait, it's not his body. Yeah, no, they're really messing with that. Yeah, so it's it's very curious. Yeah, um, I'm still, you know, walking through episode seven. Uh, I, one thing I wanted to point out in regards sure. to the glitching was um, uh, when Wanda says, I don't understand what's happening, why it's falling apart, and why I can't fix it. But then there's a voice behind the camera and asked, do you think that maybe this is what you deserve? Um, and that was like a really out of left field, left turn, like who's saying that? And is that if Wanda's creating this world, is it Wanda that thinks that she deserves it? Or is this somebody else interjecting? Like I, and even with what happened in episode eight, I still think that's up for questioning. Like, like where's that coming from? I mean, I suppose the implication could be that Aggie, uh, is behind that. But um, I don't know. What do you think? It's hard to believe because she admitted that she didn't have as much power as Scarlet Witch has. Mm -hmm. So uh, Wanda seems to have caused a whole lot of it from what they revealed in episode eight. But at the same time, I just don't know. It almost feels like something's missing. This is not the direction that I was expecting it to go. Yeah. Like yeah, why, yeah. why was she compelled to go to Westview other than, well, this was a spot that vision had set aside. Maybe they put a down payment on the property or something. Yeah. Well, that seems to be the implication in episode eight. Um, but of course, uh, just to wrap up, re, uh, the cap on, put the cap on episode seven, the reveal of course is, Ag, you know, Aggie is, um, what, what was she? Agnes is, uh, Agatha Harkness, <laughs> you know, so, yes. Agnes. <laughs> uh, oh, one thing I forgot to mention is we saw the birth of a superhero. We assume photon. Uh, I'm as, as we've discussed before, not huge into the written comics of Marvel or any written comics, but apparently Monica Rambeau is photon typically. And so we assume that's what we witnessed the birth of was photon. Um, so that's yes. interesting. Uh, and then the big reveal, of course, Agatha Harkness. And I loved, as apparently everybody else did, the uh, It's Been Agatha All Along tune that played for the credits, which was just great. Uh, oh, and I killed the dog, too. What was the name of that dog? She's like, Sparky. I killed Sparky, too. <laughs> <Yes>. you know, <laughs> So good. Um, and then at the end, uh, Pietro intercepts Monica, and uh, who's discovering Agatha's basement, and that she's a witch, and says, Snooper's gonna snoop. So that's where we leave them, and we don't get anything with Monica and Pietro in um, episode eight. So that's kind of where we've left them. I'm assuming that's going to play a bigger role. Or Captain Photon, or yeah. Darcy. Actually, yeah. a lot was missing. Yeah, well, the only so moving on to episode eight, the only thing that we really got is Agatha and um, Wanda rehashing backstories. Uh, but at the very beginning, we see that Agatha apparently is a witch vampire. Um, <laughs> she's apparently sucking the life out of all the other witches trying to end her when they when they shoot their their witch powers at her. Like she's able to make that suck all their life energy into her. Apparently, I guess that's what's going on. We don't really get a good explanation for it, but that was my interpretation. Yeah. I don't know if I would necessarily call that vampire, but vampiric witchcraft. Yeah. (laughs) 
sucking, I mean, it sucking the, the life force out yeah, of other people. It, it fits the definition of vampires. So. Yeah, it, it just doesn't involve blood. I guess. Sure, but vampires don't. Uh, there's different types of vampires. You got the red court vampires, the white court vampires, the oh, okay. uh, black court, jade court, black court. Uh, the red court and the black court are the ones that suck blood. Um, the white court you know vampires. A lot more about vampires than I do. Well, I mean, I read Jim Butcher books, so um, the the white court vampires uh, suck the life force out of you via, let's say, other means. Hmm. But it is bloodless. Um, anyway, so. Um, uh, apparently Agatha is in the habit of practicing dark magic and her coven felt betrayed. Um, and, uh, then she yeah, honor says, among witches. yes, yes. <laughs> so apparently she says, uh, she did not break their rules. She simply bent them to her power. Um, and that's when she starts sucking the life out of them. Um, and she called the main witch her mother. I, it's unclear whether that, to me at least, whether that was just you call the head of the coven mother or whether that was her actual mother that she killed. I also um, wonder about things like this if they are in the comic books or if they're combining multiple characters from the comic books and recreating the backstory for Agatha Harkness. Unclear, know. at least to me. I know Agatha Harkness is a character in the comic books, but yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, but in the end, of course, Agatha, this, oh, by the way, this, of course, is back in the Salem witch trials. Uh, when, when was that? 1700s, 1600s? When was the Salem witch trials? Yes, the very uh, historical authenticity here. <laughs> Let's yeah, break well, from my, the Marvel mayhem, uh, the superhero, Xenius. Right. 1692, 1693. Uh, so she is very old at this point in the 2000s, um, is the point here. So Agatha apparently is immortal in some form or fashion. Well, I mean, she's a vampire TJ. She yeah. just sucks life force out of people. Oh, so now you're on board with her being a vampire. Cool. Cool. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, she's been alive for a while. Um, apparently based on the conversation that Agatha has, that Aggie has with, um, Wanda, uh, Pietro, the casting of, uh, what, what, shoot, what's the name of the actor? Um, Evan Peters. So the casting of Evan Peters apparently as Pietro was literally just stunt casting and not – it doesn't mean anything, at least if we're to believe what we've been told uh, because she has this big conversation about how she couldn't resurrect the other body because he was on another continent. And so she made up something out of whole cloth, either that or um, – just some one of the one of the people that was in the village became Pietro, but that's that's a little bit frustrating to me. Um, that it it's seems also pretty to be, weird because how did the woman know all about Pietro, but not know these other backstory details concerning Scarlet Witch that she's trying to dig information out of? Yeah, I don't know. It's convenient. Yeah, I don't know. I was really hoping that this was the introduction of the X-Men from the universe we already know into this universe, but apparently not. Yeah, it and seems I like would, that's what a lot of people were counting on. Yeah, it, and it's strange. I mean, literally, if it's just stunt casting, it's just strange. Um, I did li- I did particularly enjoy the line that uh, Agatha tells Wanda. She has thousands of people under your thumb, all interacting with each other according to complex storylines, and that's something special, baby. And it was unclear to me whether we we're talking about Wanda or Kevin Feige. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you um, did there. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is not, I did steal that from another review I was reading, but I thought it was pretty funny. So, um, and I, the, the, the line that made it out into Twitter, uh, and I even saw the line that I didn't realize it was connected to this, but I see, saw people posting this line before I got to watch the show. But what, when vision says to Wanda in the flashbacks, when it's really vision talking to Wanda, 
um, about having lost uh, Pietro. Uh, what is grief, if not love, persevering? Which is fantastic, yeah, that was a fantastic line. A very vision of him, even for yes. a new scene that was obviously supposed to be meaningful to their relationship that we completely missed before, but it felt right. And yeah, that, that like my son was watching Age of Ultron the other day, uh, inspired by watching WandaVision. And I was just impressed by some of the lines of vision in that movie that make a lot more sense now, mm-hmm. knowing more of his future. Because when that movie came out, he he was abstract. He was philosophical, which is not really a hallmark of most of the Marvel heroes. So it was interesting to see like, no, 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 this is Vision. Vision is going to be like this anytime that he shows up. And you like it. You dig it. You understand him now. You understand him better that you've had him around long enough that when he when he's getting philosophical with Ultron – it it makes sense. He's being real with you. He, and he was as real as he could be with Ultron as well as with Scarlet Witch. Yeah. Okay, so the big reveal here in this episode is um, apparently the vision that we've been seeing throughout the entirety of this show is one is a version of vision that Wanda created with her mind and her magic. <sighs> Is that what we're? Is that what happened? Like that's what was, that was my takeaway. Yeah, but what does it mean? Th- I don't that's know. What's killing me. I is, don't know. Are we supposed to just not take him seriously now that we know that because he's irrelevant? He you know, no, no, she no. Just I think he clicks think her heels. Real. I think he's real and he exists. I just don't think he's the vision that we know. He's the vision that came from her mind. Um, and, and Agatha bolsters my opinion on this when she says at the end of the episode, I know what you are. You have no idea how dangerous you are. You're supposed to be a myth of being capable of spontaneous creation. And here you are using it to make breakfast for dinner. Uh, and then the camera zooms in on Agatha's face as she drops the bomb. This whole little life you've made. This is chaos magic, Wanda. And that makes you... The Scarlet Witch, which which is never she has never heard the word Scarlet. We've never heard that word in connection with her in the MCU before. Right, impressive. Yeah, very well done. Yeah. So, um, so there's that, and then we get a further reveal that that this is definitely not the Vision that we knew because we see Vision's body being brought back to life in the credit scene by uh, Agent Evil. What's his name? The, the guy that that is the agent of of. Uh, uh, sword. I wanted to say spoon for some reason of sword. Um, I don't know if he would be agent so much as director. Director, yeah, the director of Sp- sword. I can't remember his name, but anyway, he's resurrecting apparently a white looking vision. Like I mean, like a kind of a glowing white. Yeah, wh- not, why his color has changed vision. for yeah. any apparent reason is completely. I don't know. Lost. And 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 the questions are stuff like, will that be the vision that we know or not? Because the mind stone is missing, and what what part of vision came from the mind stone? And will he have his memories? Will he be a tool of sword? Will he be something else? Like, there's so many questions. It's curious. I I I don't think he's going to have a personality. Which is what's kind mm. of crazy is that it feels like the vision that Wanda created is the one that can captures the soul. What? Okay, but I'm not spitballing the, here. Mm-hmm. I just came up with this. What if they combine? What if they? Yeah, there you go. You got you read my mind. What if the version of vision that Wanda created has to be implanted into this resurrected vision? Because the version of vision that Wanda created apparently can't leave the hex. We've seen that he basically starts falling apart when he leaves the hex, and. 
in order to get him out of there, we have to put him in back in his body? Like, is it basically that she has got his consciousness and projected it out of her and in, into a image, but then put that consciousness in Vision's body and now he's Vision again? Like, I don't know. Well, and then you also wonder, is that actually the director of Sword's plan, not so much Wanda's plan? Because he's activating the body, and he's not an idiot. He knows he's got a body that is reanimated, but it doesn't have the mind of vision. So what did he do? Did he put on uh, Mac OS 11? Well, I will say, I I don't know if he's going to be the big bad or not. I I, I will say I don't think Agatha is the big bad. I think that she's just a player. She she even said she was attracted to all the spells and power that are being thrown around. I think there's a third player somewhere lurking, lurking. I suppose it could be the director of S.W.O.R.D. Like, clearly he was manipulating things to make a lot of this happen. It's very, it, I got very manipulative, I'm doing this on purpose vibes during the whole thing, anything that involved him in this episode. Uh, even to letting her, you know, go down and and try to find out if, you know, I, I, I don't feel him anymore, like all that stuff. And, um, and then, of course, we know he lied when he said that she stole his body um, several episodes back. So that's not true. Um, so I don't know if he's going to be the big wind up being the big bad or not, or if he, there, I think more likely there is a third player we haven't met yet who he's working for. Well, they only have one episode left to go, and this show loves to be com- to like completely put off and postpone plot development. Some episodes, and then in others, just give you uh, a huge collection of character development and story progression. So if we're down to episode nine, the final installment, and they don't have the villain revealed the the villain probably won't get the attention that the secondary villains like director of sword and agatha hartness got so well i have a harder time believing that well you know that this is leading into um uh dr strange and the multiverse of madness right Uh, you know that it's, it's directly connected so i suspect the reveal is going to be the villain that we will that will be the villain for dr strange and the multiverse of madness um i i I doubt if that's going to be Dharma, Dormammu again, but I suppose it could be. Um, maybe he's somehow manipulating and directing all this, but it, it does seem a little out of his league. I don't know. Well, I'm. I, I can't wait to see the last part. You know, <laughs> the last episode. <laughs> yeah, the, it was weird. Episode eight was my least favorite, even though it finally revealed a lot. I was a little deflated by what they revealed, not quite living up to the the power of episodes one through seven so like learning about pietro was sort of a oh really is that your explanation yeah yeah that's my one disappointment which they could turn around if they they might turn around but i i kind of doubt it i think that that the explanation we got is the is the explanation that is right and that we'll get and then and then then sort of dramatic ways as gut-wrenching as it was to see what happened to wanda when she was a child you know, you throw in this nostalgia of watching television sitcoms together with their parents, but then it's a nice, clean, easy way to drop a bomb on the house that doesn't blow up, but the parents are just gone. And mm. so, so they're, they're kind of like magic away. You know, the the bodies are not there. The parents are nowhere to be found. They're just, they're, they're just gone, conveniently gone. And, and that kind of moment, this kind of, felt fake kind of the way that they had treated pietro mm-hmm. and and i don't know they, they just left me kind of feeling like i think that they they dropped the ball on that they could have taken that in a different direction that would have been more rewarding but but you know 
thankfully we've still got the show. I'm glad that we have the show and I still liked episode eight. It was just not my favorite. 